I want to thank you for watching again this evening, session two, What is Depression? I want to thank Pastor Bax for last evening as we looked at what is anxiety. And tonight we're going to dive into what is depression. Maybe you're watching tonight and you are suffering with depression. And our prayer is that something that's said tonight will be an encouragement to you. Again, each session, each of these five sessions, our hope is that you will find Christ and find hope in him, that you'll come to the realization that there is life after depression and there is help. You're not alone and that uh, there's hope. And that's our goal. And so tonight, Pastor Bax, again, I want to thank you for being with us again for session two. And thank you for all of that uh, session one information. It was wonderful. And we'll do again tonight as well. We will put all of their books. He's written uh, uh, two books and one is coming. And we're going to put those books on the notes of this. Also, how to order those. And uh, we're going to be getting some of those as well and distributing them to our church members that are uh, in need of that resource as well. So thank you for writing. Thank you for caring and spending the time investing in uh, research to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. So tonight, let's, uh, let's dive right in. And uh, uh, let's begin with this. How would you define depression? And kind of a twofold question. How would you define depression? And what are the symptoms of depression? Cool. Well, Pastor Jeremy, again, I just want to say good day to all the people there at Monclover Road Baptist Church that are watching tonight and others. It's a privilege to be able to talk to you on this topic of depression. It is, it is the twin of anxiety. I often think the two of them go together. You often, sometimes people with anxiety will end up with depression and some people with depression will end up with anxiety and they often will be couplets or twins in this. But when we think of depression, we, we must make a distinction between depression and discouragement because discouragement happens to everyone. We all have moments of sadness and, and discouragement, but depression is a little bit different than this. Depression is more than mere discouragement. Depression is defined and the way I deal with it and understand it, it's an emotional intense state. It's an intense state of feeling sad. That And it includes discouragement and dejected, but it goes for a prolonged period. When anyone is trying to diagnose a person with depression, they will diagnose them based on a time period, as well as the intensity of the sadness and the persistency of the sadness and the sense of, of worthlessness, the sense of hopelessness that comes in with there. And I think when we think about depression as well, and we have to remember that depression is, uh, my, my wife describes it this way. She calls it the silent killer. Because when she goes into a depressed moment, it's not like she wakes up in the morning and thinks, well, I think I'll go into a depressed moment today. It happens. And she can't get away from it. And it's, you're at lunch with your friends and it's sort of nagging you, this sense of morbidness, uh, uh, she calls it a morbid spirit of darkness. It sort of washes away your personality. Uh, your mind gets tired, a constant pulling and tugging within your mind. And that ties in a lot with how depression is categorized. 
So, so when we think of depression, we have to think about it this way. There are, there are three types of depression that a person can go through outside of psychotic depression. Uh, we're dealing with uh, what you would call depression, uh, a depressive reaction. And it's more of a, de a temporary depression that maybe goes for two weeks to six months even. And it's, it's a reaction to events, circumstances. And it's, it can be intense, but it will, it will go. It will, it will dissipate over time because it is a response to an event. And the person often has got discouraged, let discouraged move into sadness. Sadness continue on to sometimes a grief to where it prolongs and prolongs to where it stays into a, settles to a depressive reaction. Then there is what's called dysthymia. Dysthymia is, it's a chronically, it's a chronical, chronically mildly depressed situation. So you're not intense, but you're chronically in a mild depression and you have less intense systems, but you will not be diagnosed with dysthymia unless you've been doing that. That's happened for like two years. Uh, that's a person who's just in a chronically depressed state. You can still function, but it's, you, there's feelings of hopelessness. There's feelings of low self-esteem, often sleep disorders where you have insomnia or hypersomnia. Uh, the opposite. And then you have what's referred to as your major depressive illness. Now, that's what often people will talk about when you're dealing with major depression, your inability to function, your worthlessness, your persistent sadness, your difficulty concentrating, your slow movements, your, your sleep issues. For example, if I was to pick up this pen and if I went to reach for this pen now, here is how my wife would reach for the pen in a normal state, talking about slow movements and when she's in a depressed state. In a normal state, she would grab the pen like that. In her depressed state, she will go like this. Like it's like everything has slowed down. The way if she was eating something, instead of just taking a spoon and putting it to your mouth like that, she will very slow. It's now that's in her case. Now others have different things, but her mind will become like a, a tight band around her head. She'll feel like something's just, and I can't concentrate. She'll stand there at the sink thinking, what do I, what do I do here now? Now that now the day before this is by, cause she's happens with bipolar. So she could be one day, you know, we often say, we don't know whether she's going to wake up as Tigger or Eeyore. We're not sure. <laughs> she could, and, um, or she just could be Christopher Robin. We're not sure what she's going to be that day or Winnie the Pooh. But uh, she'll, if she hits an Eeyore day, she won't, she won't even know what, how to make dinner. She'll be struggling. What, what do I got to do here? And we, if the process, the thought process becomes difficult. You're dealing with major depressive illness. So you're going from a fairly mild issue of a depressive reaction to a dysthymia, which is a prolonged period of mild depression to major depressive illness. That's what you look at when you're dealing with depression. And uh, I always put synonymous with the word depression. I put the word hopelessness. How important is it for us to understand the different types of depression? Extre extremely important because if you, 
if you do not understand the different types of depression, you'll then deal with it differently and, and incorrectly at times. Now, let me, let me simplify this even the better way. When I look at the different types of depression, I think of how they're triggered. And everything will have a thought issue. Everything will have a thought. There will always be things we've got to work with our thought control and our cognitive behavior. And, uh, and I'll throw this in in case I forget here at this moment as well, Jeremy, is we can never use depression, anxiety, or any of these things as an excuse for sin. Or we can't use that. No, nowhere in the scripture does it say, you know, thou shalt not commit murder, uh, except you're suffering anxiety. Doesn't say that. You know, thou shalt love thy husband, uh, except if you're depressed. Or thou shalt love your wife, except if you're depressed. You know, it doesn't say that. So it doesn't mean there'll be greater challenges. And the grace of God can help us with those. And, and I think I just want to sort of preface about what I'm about to say here. Because depression is, can be triggered in, I, I call them outward sources or inward sources. Outward sources is often referred to as circumstantial depression. And that's often that depressive reaction. And it's the short term due to some traumatic change. And interestingly, men are seven times more likely to suffer situational depression or circumstantial depression. Because sometimes it could be the male ego or the responsibility they feel they have and uh, it could be a, a divorce they've gone through or a loss of job or inability to provide, it can trigger a, a depression. It's outward sources. Therefore, it is dealt with by tackling cognitive issues and thought processes about those outward sources that have happened and those triggers. Does it, does it require medication? It may do. Similarly with anxiety, we didn't touch on it when we spoke on that last night, but medication for anxiety is generally just to help with a physical state so you can deal with a cognitive state for example your person may be on you may a person may have some diazepam uh which you would refer to as like valium uh to help just calm a person down so that you can deal with the real issues in the thought processes with depression outward depression similar circumstances a person may have some antidepressant, whether it be Zoloft or uh, Epilim, or it may be um, Valpro or whatever it may be, Prozac, could be various things they may take on a short-term basis as a, as a means to help calm a person so you can deal with the reactions and responses to those outward circumstances that have brought on the depression. But then you have the depression from the inward sources. This is where you're dealing more with clinical depression, often major depressive illnesses. Uh, you're dealing sometimes, as they may refer, chemical imbalances. And this is where brain chemistry comes in. And this is what I like to say on this point. If our body, if your body is not producing enough insulin to naturally, naturally break down the sugars, we think nothing of now chemically supplying our body that which we need to break down the sugar. Similarly, if your hypertension isn't regulated properly and now your blood pressure is, is high and you're endangering your heart, we think nothing of supplying a medicine or a chemical to our body to regulate our hypertension. But when something isn't secreting in our brain and there is a chemical imbalance here, we tell the person, you need to pray about this. You need to quote more scripture. 
well, it may not be an outward source that's contributing here. It could be an inward issue. And there is a distinction we have to make at this point too, Jeremy, is this. Your mind and your brain are two different things. Your brain is a physical organ. Your mind is part of your, is your, part of your being, your soul, your spiritual aspect. And we do need to deal with the mind. And that is often with our thought processes, with our spiritual aspects. But the brain is a physical thing. And, if and that's when I mentioned about those PET scans last night that there is a clear, clear picture that comes up on a depressed brain as opposed to a normal brain. There is blockages in the front, frontal cortex. Something gets, gets trapped there. Uh, our body runs on electricity. And if the, if the neurons aren't firing and processing correctly, there will be a breakdown. And that happens because of the lack of serotonin, the lack of dopamine, and those levels can be out of whack. So they have to, at times, and brain chemistry is not an exact science, work out to try to help juggle those medicines to bring that brain level to a right moment. Uh, if you think of a, a dirty, infested algae pool, think of that pool. How do you clean that to be a nice, clean pool to go swimming in summer? You have to shock it with chemicals and it brings the balance back. Sometimes that happens with the physical brain so that you can then help with the mind. Now, other times, sometimes the mind, and here's another interesting thought, Caroline Leaf does some good studies on this, on how the mind can, strike, can create pathways in the brain. So the mind can actually affect the brain pathways to think a certain way and to, to project a certain way to a depressive moment because the mind has conditioned it that way. So there is a, a crossover between the two. So that's, I hope that sort of clarifies a little bit there on the outward and the inward really is clear. You must make a distinction between the two. No, I think that's very, very helpful. Um, we're going to continue on depression here, but let, let's see. Um, for the Christian that's watching, they like to look at their heroes in the Bible. Paul, I'd love to have the faith like Paul and be a soul winner like Paul and they looked at different uh, apostles that just did wonderful miracles and did wonderful things. And who in the Bible suffered from depression? Cool. Well, I, I could list a fair few people in who suffered from depression. Uh, I think one of the, and again, you're not going to read that word generally. I've suffered from depression. You've got to look at the symptoms, you look at circumstances around it, but you think of David, the man after God's own heart. And listen to some of the wordings that David would cry out in his Psalms in his anguish, in his loneliness, in his feelings of hopelessness, in his sense of loss of worth, in his heart cry over his sin at times, uh, the grief that he would suffer that would bring him into a despair. You listen to some of the statements of David where he would speak about in Psalm 38, he speaks about for mine iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden, too heavy for me. And what I think is interesting, I, I preach up in Papua New Guinea and in, we are a great missionary in Vanuatu with Jeremy Panero and he's from our church. And I love their language because it's a very simple language. They don't have a word for depressed. Their word for depressed is I have a heavy. Am heavy me, you know, am heavy belong me. So I think 
David is almost saying these things. This is just a heavy, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm weighed down. We would call it depressed. I'm, I'm in these things. David uses the analogy in Psalm 42 and 43. I love his wording here where he says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And, and here is the point I love about that. He speaks to his soul. See, this is where we understand we're dealing with an inner issue here. Our mind, our thought processes, our heart, our emotions. And then he, he makes this statement, why art thou disquieted within me? You know, why do I have that noisy soul? Why do I have that unrest within me? David speaks about these things. Elijah, oh boy, I hope when I come to your place, I can talk on Elijah maybe. I mean, it's his, his journey with discouragement and weariness to where he's on a mountain mountaintop killing the prophets. The next day he's suicidal. And he's in a point where he is starting to think through various lies and believing lies to where he is at a point that he just wants to die. Now, maybe those thoughts haven't bounced around in, in some people's heads, but for some people they have. In my wife's head, they, those thoughts have bounced around at times. Thankfully, not for many years, but in the initial stages, the sense of hopelessness. Well, there is no op option here. Uh, you look at Jonah. Jonah had these thoughts. Jonah got to the point, and we know part of his issues were triggered from his disobedience as well but it carried on with his thought process and sometimes his, his view of people. Uh, Job, he gets to the point where he's in the bitterness of his soul. Moses, uh, Jeremiah, Hannah, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, Jeremiah in his great loneliness and his depressed moment where he, he didn't even want to speak anymore. Uh, things that take place. So many, many Bible heroes that all give us solutions to. All of those Bible heroes give us solutions. So is depression something people can get over? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I do believe you, you can get over depression. Some, look, some this may be part of their thorn in the flesh too. I understand that. But again, it comes back to that what I said earlier, outward or inward source. If it is an outward source, and many of the Bible characters, we don't know what was happening in their inward issues. We don't know if they had chemical imbalances. We don't know that. Uh, but what we do know is they all had to deal with their thought processes and their emotions, which we can all deal with. And we can all work through that. And uh, I do believe there is an answer that you can, there is life after depression, well and truly. And life through depression. So how does a person experiencing depression come to a belief that it's not a character defect or a spiritual problem? Um, what, what advice would you give someone on that tonight? Okay. When, when we think about this issue of depression, we have to come back again thinking about, is this an outward or an inward source? Now, if, if this is an outward source, we, we don't just tackle this as a character issue. Yet, yet it could be some issues in their character or in their understanding. But generally what we're dealing with here is we're dealing with a, uh, a thought process that's bringing me into this depressive state that's generally associated with a loss. Now, if we're dealing with inwards, inward thoughts, let me remember, let me state this statement. Your chemistry is not your character and your illness is not your identity. 
Your identity is always in Christ as a Christian. That's who you are identified with. Now, when you, when you go through the different Bible characters who suffered with depressive moments or anxious moments or whatever issue in their life, we remember this, that this, who I am first and foremost is a Christian. I'm a child of God. Now, I may deal with a depressive incident or a depressive moment or an anxious moment. That is not necessarily saying I have a character defect. But what it does say is there may be areas in my life I need to develop. I need to have a better thought process. I need to have a better spiritual warfare attack against this. I need to learn to guard my mind and my heart better. So it's not necessarily a character defect. Uh, it would be, I think it would be quite unfair if I said to my wife, uh, if she's in a depressive moment, you've got a terrible character because that's not her character. That's her chemistry. Now her character will help her work with her chemistry. It will help her tackle the issues she's got to deal with. So that, that's probably more so a way to deal with it as I, as I think through that. That's great. So what are causes um, and or reasons for depression? Okay. There are, there are several things. Let me give a basic thought. Anxiety is generally fear-based. Depression is generally loss-based. Now, besides other causes, hormonal imbalances, that does happen. We, you've, you've no doubt heard of prenatal or postnatal depression uh, and hormonal imbalances in ladies. We understand that with estrogen levels. And there's a lot of study going into levels of estrogen as to how that affects the mental health of a, of a woman. Uh, we know, I know my wife twice when she's had um, our last two children she was able to completely, completely go off all medication. She had zero mental health issues, but she couldn't stay pregnant her whole life. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. So we do know there are studies as to what estrogen levels do, do for the mindset of a lady as well with their hormones. Uh, medication or drug misuse or overuse or wrong dosage, that can also be a contributing factor to depression. Some people can be medicated into depression. We've got to, so that's, Careful work with your doctor on those things. Improper diet, you know, irregular exercise, prop, improper sleep patterns, all these can be factors contributing to depression. A melancholy temperament, a person who simply is a very melancholy person. A introspective temperament, uh, chemical imbalances we've mentioned. But generally, most depression, we're dealing with a loss that has triggered depression. Loss of a loved one loss of control, loss of a job, loss of expectation, loss of a health or illness, uh, loss of possessions, loss of security, loss of respect for others sometimes. You had great respect in a person and they failed you and now there's a, a sadness that can trigger, if we're not careful, the thought process to move us into this, loss of personal goals. Sometimes depression can be anger turned inwards. We would call that repression, where you know, Ezekiel speaks about the concept of repressing things and going in the bitterness and in the heat of his spirit. That the and it can be sometimes it can be a masked pain. They call that masked depression, where you're dealing with a pain in the past that you felt a failure, you felt worthless, you felt maybe responsible for an action or. The reason you were abused was really because you, you made yourself 
put yourself in a position and now you're, you felt, well, it really was my fault and I'm, I am, I'm victimizing myself and whatever, all those things can contribute. And again, I will not ever dismiss the fact that sometimes sin may very well be a trigger that's brought upon depression as well. Deal with the sin, the depression goes. And it's not saying that that's the main issue. That's saying there is sometimes that is a, a thing we cannot dismiss. That's good. That's helpful. When a person is going through depression, they feel hopeless. Um, they reach out to maybe their pastor. They reach out to a doctor. They reach out to a counselor. Why is it so important? Why must a person exercise their hope in God, um, even while utilizing doctors and counselors and pastors? Yeah. You know, that, that is a really good question, and I love how you, you phrase that, exercising their hope in God. When a person is depressed and they're suffering depression, it's very difficult for them to hear these words. Well, just you just need to trust God. You just need to pray more. What, what's wrong with your faith? What's wrong with these things? Because here's what happens. When a person is depressed, they lose hope. And if you lose hope, you lose faith. Hebrews tells us in the chapter 11 that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if you've lost your hope, it's very hard to maintain faith. So what we do when we talk with the person who is struggling with depression, we want to make sure we can bring hope to a person, be a door of hope, let them see positive, let them see future. Uh, I think of this verse of scripture in the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 12, verse 25, it says heaviness, and there's that word of heaviness, that depression, heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. And you've got this graphic picture uh, of this heaviness in a heart just making it stoop. You can, you can see this. To me, it's just a verbal picture of depression. But then it goes on and says this, but a good word maketh it glad. So there is a key right there to help us understand we must be able to help what, what's happening in a person's heart is going to start in their head. So we want, to, we, want to, we want to make sure we're giving words of hope, words of hope. And I've got several things, if you would like me to share them with you now, it might be an appropriate time, where I talk about how a person feels and how hope helps them, what we can do to bring hope back in. See, a person may say this. They may say, you know what? I, I just don't feel like I fit into this, to the church. I don't fit into this circumstance. I don't fit into this family. I, I don't fit into, I don't fit. And that brings a sense of hopelessness. And what we can say to that person, say, no, but I want to tell you something. Hope tells you you have a place in the, in the body of Christ. The book of Romans tells us we're, we're many members in one body and, and you have a place in his body. So hope reminds us you do fit. Uh, you have a person who says, I just can't go any further in life. I, I, got, I don't think I can take, I've, I've hit, my, hit, my, hit a wall, I can't go any further. And what hope reminds us is hope says, no, hope, hope says you can grow. You can grow. In fact, God tells us we can dig even deeper and we can build on a foundation. And Luke reminds us about building upon these things to strengthen ourselves and 
uh, hope, you know, sometimes people say, I don't even think I matter anymore. I don't matter. And hope says, no, 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 you have a purpose. God designed you with purpose. And every time that these statements of, of hopelessness are made, there is a hope statement back in the Bible. The scriptures bring hope back. You have a function that you can become. Your story matters. Your story is there. You have a divine purpose. You're made by God. You are for God. You are created by God. And I would speak that to every person who's suffering with depression right now, that your story matters, that you have a purpose. So when you think, I don't matter, your story matters. And we've, we can test, my wife and I can testify that over and over. Her story has impacted so many people. Her story matters, a person's story. Some will say this, I just want to give up. I just want to give up. I don't have any future. And hope says, no, 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 you have a choice. Uh, you didn't choose mental illness. You didn't choose it, but you have a choice as to what you can do now. You, you can do this. and You have an anchor that you can hold in Jesus Christ. I feel worthless. I feel worthless. And hope says, you know what? I want to tell you something. You're absolutely needed because who better to point people to hope than those who are experiencing pain and hope, who've gone through this. First, Second Corinthians talks about using the trouble that we've gone through to help somebody else and the comfort that we've received. And we, my wife and I talk about the design of suffering, that there is a design in this, that we don't think depression and bipolar and anxiety is a detour. We see this as a gift from God, that this is part of the journey and that this is the journey we are on. And I'm, I'm journeying that with her. She has obviously the, the physical and the mental struggle. I work with that as well with her and how that impacts me and uh, in our relationship, but it's our journey. And God is bringing this and we do not want to waste our pain. We say, well, that pain has got purpose and we work through it. And some people say, well, I just, I just hate myself. I had a gentleman here recently going through depression. He said, I just, I just hate myself. And I've got to, we've got to replace that lie with truth and say, but I want to tell you what hope says. Hope says you are absolutely loved. You are absolutely loved and you are, and you cannot even comprehend how much God loves you right now. So we, we sort of bring all of these hopeless statements back and then bring scripture back in and say, well, let me tell you what hope says, because our, our hope comes from the scripture. We have comfort and hope through the scripture. That's encouraging. Why do you think um, people hide the symptoms of depression from those that they love? Okay. Well, again, I think that comes back to, it's a difficult one, but it comes back to that topic of stigma. Uh, the other thing comes back to this. Some people just don't want to be a burden. They, they're afraid sometimes of rejection. Uh, and so I, when, I, when I see a person who you sense, and I'm dealing with a person right now, another gentleman who's... Um, He's in ministry, he's a pastor, and he's gone through, he's going through some difficult, depressive moments in his life. So he feels embarrassed. He feels embarrassed. How do I tell my congregation I'm depressed? And I'm the pastor. And I said, you understand that your openness, again, like I was told before, that openness, that brokenness, yes, it could be misused. Yes, you become vulnerable. Yes, there could be people who take it the wrong way. 
but I want to tell you something. God did not make a mistake when this has happened in your life and that your voice may be a voice of healing to somebody else. And often the first place of healing in your life is revealing. When you reveal, you start to heal. And it becomes a thing. And so when, I, when I'm trying to get a person, because um, some people don't like to talk, they don't like to talk about it. They feel it's a private issue, but it's affecting them publicly. Especially in a family, it doesn't, you can't hide anything in a family. It's, it's there and you, some people struggle with it. So what, what, and you say, well, how do you help a person who doesn't, doesn't want to even talk about it, doesn't even want to acknowledge it? How do you deal with that? Well, we, we deal with a few things. Firstly, we, we try to help define areas of loss in that person's life and maybe get them to answer questions like this. We, we get them to answer questions like, um, if you had to say, if you had to complete this statement, how would you complete it? I am grieving over what? I was so embarrassed when what? I felt abandoned when complete the statement. I was really hurt when now doing that is getting the person to talk. You know, there's that statement. Some people say, oh, you just got to snap out of it. I always tell people, no, don't snap out of it. Draw out of it. The Bible talks about the, the wise man draws out. The council draws out like you're drawing water out of a person or out of a well. So we want to define the loss so we can start to see it and let a person see there is a loss. There's something you've lost. And we want to then discover the truth about that. What was, was there some, was there some untruth that you're believing in this area? And then you want to diffuse the event by sharing it and revealing those things and, and, and work it through from there. So there, they're things we want to do to try to build it out of a person and draw it out of a person so they can see it. Can a person handle or deal with depression all by themselves without any help? Look, I would, I would say um, it's very difficult. I think that's where, that's why there are so many references in the scriptures to counsel and wise counsel and good counsel. Uh, obviously, Job spoke about his counsellors as miserable counsellors. So we know they can be bad counsel as well. But the very fact that, very, the very fact that there is counsel in the scripture reminds us that that's probably what we need. The other thing I say to people who think they can drag themselves out of it themselves. Now, again, if it is something very minor, it, we probably can maybe read a book or help ourselves and and sort of think, you know, I could do that or just read that scripture and, and work through it. But sometimes when we're in that, that major depressive illness, we, we need someone to help us correct our thinking, to bring it into check. And uh, that family, that friend who, who, who's there, who, who doesn't say things like, you know, you shouldn't feel like that, but turns around rather and says, I care about how you're feeling. Would you tell me, tell me how you're feeling? See, when a person can start to express things, you're sending them on a quest of discovery of themselves. And that is often what a person needs to see. Many times the question you ask is the question that's kind of bringing something out in that person where they're searching and they're revealing really what's happening in their own life. Then they see it in the mirror. 
you know, the word of God's a great mirror, as you know. And um, I think that's, and it is a tough one, Jeremy, when you deal with people because they don't know who to trust at times too. And they're vulnerable when they're scared. They're in a, they're in a tough state. And that's where, find that pastor, find that counselor, find that trusted friend. And if you are that person, you know, if you are a good friend, if you are that person who can help them and encourage them, find ways to show that you care. You know, there'll be times uh, when, when my wife is in her down states and she's had the depressive moments and she has, over her mental health journey, she's probably had more depression than she's had mania. The mania has, is fun. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun time. She's very, very happy. She's but it's, it's destructive as well, but uh, it's not, the depression is always a sad time. And so you want to try to build things around and, and plan time to show ways that you can care, fun activities, exercise with them, and don't avoid a person who is suffering with depression. You, know, you avoid them, they, re they realise that, oh, they're avoiding me. And it exacerbates in their mind even more. I, I want to talk to that person right now that's, Babbling depression that believes the in the stigma is believing that um, they're embarrassed or someone will think less of them if they share it with a loved one. What's the what's the uh, that can come to a person that doesn't seek proper treatment for the depression or or even the anxiety that they're they're dealing with? Well, if they don't seek proper treatment then generally they're not going to get better. It's, they're going to potentially get worse. And, and I don't say that as a means of, you know, uh, watch out, this is going to happen to you, like a, you know, a fear or judgment come upon a person. I say that out of absolute compassion and kindness and care because you know, I've, I've got a family member who, who doesn't, they don't see that they really need some help. Uh, or they keep denying that help and it becomes so destructive where they end up alienating their own children, their own other friends, and they can't figure out why do people don't want to call them, why people don't want to be around them. And the issue is you, you just keep pushing people away. And that is part of, the, of a depressive response too. Uh, I talk about this when I deal with Elijah, that Elijah isolated, walled himself up, pushed people away, left people, and that's... That ought to be a sign. And so when, we, when I talk to people who are looking at, who are battling with depression, I always say, make sure you can recognize these triggers in your life. If you recognize these triggers, you would be, you'd be foolish not to get some help. You'd be like a person who's watching their arm bleeding and a big cut there and not doing some treatment on that. You are seeing bleeding in another way. You're, you're seeing bleeding through uh, your, a bleeding of a relationship a bleeding of, of a security with a person, a bleeding of a closeness with that person. You're, you're watching things bleed from you and hemorrhage from your life. Like the woman with the issue of blood, you know, she was, she was hemorrhaging. She was losing everything constantly. And that cycle needed to be broken. That cycle needed to be broken. And that was obviously broken through the power of God and the touch of God in her life. And so too, in a person who is, hemorrhaging and that's what depression does you continually lose uh, you lose yourself eventually because you don't even know who you are you're not the person you once were 
and that becomes more depression. So that's why that cycle must be broken. And we realize again, this is not a character issue. This is not general that and don't fear labeling. And, and sometimes if you're tired of covering it, you just need to let people know that my illness is not my identity. My identity is a Christian. I am, my identity is in Christ. I'm struggling right now with a sad moment. I'm struggling with this depression or this discouragement. And, uh, and that's where friends can come along and help provide that security. Because a person who's going through depression feels insecure. They feel as though I've got nothing. I feel worthless. I feel hopeless. I feel abandoned. I feel like I'm a burden. And hence you find people who get to that suicidal state because they feel like my life is not worth living. It is worth living. Hope is here for you. And we need friends to offer a door of hope to people. Let them know it, a favorite expression in our home is this, it came to pass. It came to pass. Great Bible phrase. And it does come to pass and to work through it and to stick with it. So a person, so that, a person that's struggling then where, or, or is experiencing depression, where is a great beginning for them to look for help? Well, a person who's struggling, the, the best beginning is to find a person who they, who they can trust. See, you know, the, the Bible talks about a man, hath friend, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know that verse in Proverbs? What you want to find is that, God, is there a person that will stick closer than a brother? I don't just want a fair weather friend that I've got to always try to show myself friendly to. I, I need to, a person who's going to stick there. That may be your pastor. It may be a, a deacon. It may be a... a uh, a, a, a small group leader or a Sunday school teacher, whoever it may be. It may be a, a family friend. It may be a spouse. It may be a person. The first thing a person should do if they are suffering with depression is, is talk, is, is, is be willing to say, can I talk? Can I share this with you? And the, the, for those who are listening that are not suffering depression, the greatest thing you can ever do for a person with depression is say, sure, I'm here to listen. I'm sticking beside you. I'm here. Tell me how you're feeling. And not, I'm not judging you. And I'm not looking even for the solution. I'm just letting you speak. You know, be swift to hear and slow to speak. That's what they need. That's great. Can I ask you a question personally that you dealt with maybe with your wife? Were there times... You didn't know she needed help that you knew she needed help and if so how do you help someone that doesn't understand because of where they're at mentally that they need to help hmm. no that is that is a, a very good question and that does happen uh because there are some people who say i don't need help i'm fine i'm fine but everyone else can see that here's the sad dilemma the sad answer to that Sometimes you can't help that person because that person has to be willing to be helped. And sometimes they end up doing something to where they're forced to get help, where it could be an involuntary placement into a hospital because they have hurt themselves or they, there is somebody who, who doesn't know them, has reported them for some unseemly behavior or whatever it may be. And that's a sad circumstance and so you try to avoid that and there is no there is no easy way there is no easy way 
to get a person to get help except for direct talk. But that that comes where they, you know, I always think this, uh, and Pastor Fisher helped me a lot, a lot with this thought, was heart ownership allows for instruction. My son, give me thine heart. And when you can try to let that person know that you have their heart and they have your heart, that allows you to give instruction and it allows you to give correction because that's a person recognises they love me enough to tell me this. They're not just telling me this because they're annoyed with me or they're frustrated with me. They love me enough. And you have to convince them of that at times. And there are times where it's just that direct talk. You know, I really do think as we've looked at this and you've read some materials and maybe you could even give a person, listen, would you, would you like to just read this book? It might help us, help us on our journey together. I'm here with you. I'm for you. I'm behind you. I'm beside you. I'm with you the whole way. And uh, I read this article, it's, it seems to indicate some things. Look, this might be helpful to us. I've noticed this in, our, in your life. And tell me how you're feeling. Share with me how you feel. I want to know how you're feeling. I want to... So it's being that open, receptive, not the one saying, you need help. You need to get help. You know, what's wrong with you? There's something wrong with you. That just puts a person back further. So it's learning to build that relationship to where they're open because... And again, sometimes some people will say, I've got nothing wrong with me. And unfortunately, life will reveal through the separations of people abandoning themselves from that person because people will move away from that person. That eventually the hard truth comes to that person. Have you recognized that people have left you? There is a reason for this. You need some help. We want to help you. We want to love you. And so it is a tough one. That's good. That is, uh, boy, this has been great. I've enjoyed it. And um, our time is coming to an end. And uh, boy, you've been so helpful. First session with what is anxiety. Second session here with what is depression. We, um, we're looking forward to having you come. If uh, once a travel all ends, if you're listening and you're a part of Monclover Road Baptist Church, I want you to pray. I think over these last two sessions, you've realized that Pastor Max will be a great encouragement and a help. And um, our goal, again, was to get him here this fall, but due to COVID and travel restrictions, he's not able to. But um, we're going to plan to get him next time he's able to be in the States. And uh, we're going to plan to get him here to Monclova. And um, I, want you to, I want you to utilize these, these sessions, these first two sessions. Maybe you know someone that you can send this link to that would encourage them and help them. Maybe you know a spouse, a coworker that um, they're dealing with uh, a loved one that's going through anxiety or depression. You believe this will be a help to them. I also want to recommend, you'll find in the notes below, and we looked in session one at uh, the books that Pastor Bax has, has written. And uh, he is writing these from much research and personal experience, experience that you learned of throughout these sessions in his own family, uh, dealing with mental disorders and mental health. And so, Pastor Bax, again, I want to thank you for your time. He's on the other side of the world and uh, got up early this morning, prepared for this. And I want to thank you. And I look forward to the day that uh, God, Lord willing, unless he... Uh, calls us home, we'll meet in heaven. But uh, if he if he doesn't uh, come by way of the rapture, then um, I pray to see you here in Monclova 
and I know that you'll be a great help to our church. And so well, thank you. Thank you. on behalf of our church family, I want to thank you for your time and investment in helping people deal with anxiety and depression. No, you're welcome. Uh, really, uh, my honor. And uh, we just, Jenny and I just thank God for the opportunity to share our story and, and hopefully be a help and a blessing to others, break the silence and help remove some of the stigma. Join us tomorrow evening for session three of dealing with anxiety and depression.